0: concluded the series that examined the moral decline of America, and it was in the midst of that series um, that I became aware of a common denominator that was true of every particular issue that we we had discussed. And uh, really what it boiled down to was this, while most Americans still believe in the existence of God, and that's according to all the most recent surveys, the majority of Americans still believe in the existence of God. While that may be true, the facts indicate that our belief in the existence of God has never impacted our lives less than it has in the last 20 years. You follow what I'm saying? We believe in the existence of God, but our belief in the existence of God has absolutely no impact on how we live our life. And in the midst of that series, as we went through it, it became became, to be impressed upon me, that we really have a a misunderstanding of who God is. Now, we live in a nation that's rich in a Judeo-Christian heritage, a nation that, you know, has, as I mentioned, it has on our coins, in God we imprinted, in God we trust. Uh, It's a nation that, um, in our Pledge of Allegiance, it includes the words, one nation under God. We have songs such as, God bless America, and America the beautiful, which includes this stanza, for God has shed His grace on thee. And uh, we've become a people that aren't exactly sure who God is. We say all these things, but we don't really know who He is. And uh, as we think about it, if somebody asks you to describe God, the majority of us become hesitant. We don't know how to describe Him. Sometimes we become defensive, as if, who are you to question whether I believe in God? We become angry, and so, therefore, we cannot even have an articulate conversation with others as to who God is, because we're not sure ourselves. And it's fascinating to me, because as we go through this, this series is really going to be designed um, to help all of us gain a better understanding and a clearer picture of God. It'll be a series that helps us to better get to know God. Not just to hear of Him, but to know Him personally. To have a clear picture of Him. Because I'll guarantee you that the majority of people in our country have heard of God. But there are very few people that know Him in a personal way. And that brings up the next question. Is it possible to know God in a personal way as we know one another? That's a very good question. And it's a valid question. And it's one that needs to be addressed. You know, where do most people go in their quest or their search to know God? majority of them majority of all of us think about it in your past somewhere along the line in your desire to know God where did you turn or where did you go to church many people turn to church or they turn to other people who they think know God better than they know him the majority of people go to religious institutions to better get to know God the only problem with that is have you ever thought about it I mean, put yourself in a position of a person who is trying to understand whether God really exists or not. What church do you go to? Do you get a phone book? Do you look it up? Do you drive by one and this one looks nice? The landscaping's nice. You drive by and you see the people coming out and if they're smiling, that's not a bad place to go. If they're not, I'm not sure. If I'd go there. But where do you go? I mean, where do you go? I mean, and and what happens is, then you go to a church, and then there's all these different denominations. Which denomination do you go to? Which church would you go to? There's all these different religious organizations. A whole bunch of different schools. Which one do you go to? You know, what's fascinating to me, what do you find when you go to all these places? Typically, you find lots of opinions, many disagreements. God means different things to different people. If you think about it, there are a multitude of writings and ideas as to who or what God is and what He can do. Which group is right? Or is every group right as long as they're sincere? And is this group right even though they directly conflict with this group? But how can both of them be right if they hold opposing positions? So I guess they can't. But as long as they're sincere, I guess it's okay. You see the problem that we're having in identifying God: who is He, or what is He, or who is She, or what is It? I mean, that's the the, the culture that we live in. God has a very serious identity crisis, and it isn't because He doesn't know who He is; it's because we're not sure who He is. You know, think about this: in ancient Rome and Greece, they had many ideas about God or the gods. They had several gods. Because they couldn't fathom the fact there could be one God that could do everything that needed to be done. So they had God, a God of the sun, a God of the moon. They had a God of the seas. They had a God of love, goddess of love. And you go through, they had different gods for different things. And in 1980, when Linda and I had an opportunity to visit uh, the city of Athens, uh, it became very clear to us that that particular culture in that particular time had a multitude of ideas about God. And there was historically captured... If you've got a Bible, I I want you to look at it for a moment. And uh, this will shake you up. But It's the last time we're going to use it again this morning. And there's there's a purpose to it. But I want you to look at something that historically was recorded about this whole confusion as to the identity of God. In Acts chapter 17, which is a historical account of the actions or the movements of the apostles of Jesus... We read in Acts 17 about this idea of a multitude of gods. And what was happening was, this is exactly in the same place where my wife and I stood and looked around. And it was in the city of Athens. And this was recorded many centuries before by an early leader of the Christian church whose name was Paul, who was well educated. And he records these words as he looked around him. In Acts chapter 17, in verse 22, Paul says this, he stood in the midst of the ergopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. You're a religious people. It says, For while I was examining and passing through, and I was examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. He's saying, I'm walking around and I'm looking and you're really religious. you got gods for everything. And you're very religious and you're very honoring of them. And as I look around, I, I was fascinated by this one particular inscription that I saw. And this one said, to an unknown God. Now, what were you guys thinking? Oh, you were thinking that in case you missed a God or in case you missed God, that you better cover your bases. Because you knew that the gods that you made, you made them. And it just didn't seem like that was sufficient. And it didn't make a whole bunch of sense to you. Because now you've got an inscription to an unknown god. So let's cover all our bases. And isn't that, that kind of the heart of man? You know what we need to do? We need to cover all our bases. Just in case this isn't working out right. I'll give you a great example of that. Um, in 1978, when I, when I became a Christian... Um, our son Ryan was born in 1979. We had grown up in, in a um, in a background, a church background. We went to church and we did all those things. We covered our bases every every way that you could, because you're never really sure if you got enough bases covered. And so then we were struggling with, okay, Ryan was born, and it goes back to the child dedication, but it also goes back to infant baptism as an example. We grew up in, in a religion that taught infant baptism, right? So now we're struggling with, okay, now our son is born. Well, we know what the Bible teaches. And yet, maybe we better cover our bases and have them baptized anyway as a baby because, I mean, like, what if this isn't right? I don't know if you go through things like this. We're just weird people, okay? <laughs> I mean, you know, we're thinking these things all through. Okay, now wait a minute now. If, this is, if we, what we don't believe is right and we don't baptize in an infant, oh man, I mean, this could be a real serious problem. Well, then I thought through the whole thing on infant baptism, too, and then I started getting all confused about that, because if they were baptized in infants for the forgiveness of sins, then why did we have to do all these other things, and then why in the world did we have this thing called last rites, in case you died with sin in your life, and then if you had last rites, but you didn't die, and then you got sick again, they gave you last rites again, then I'm wondering, what well, those next to last rites, see... <laughs> See, these are... I mean, you you, you, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that you have to ask yourself that are confusing when it comes down to covering your bases on all these things. So what Paul was saying was, look, I I, I notice you're trying to cover your bases. Well, let me tell you something. He said, that unknown God is the one I'm here to tell you about. He said, because the God who made the world and all things in it, since he's the Lord of heaven and earth, doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all life and breath in all things. And he made from one every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they should seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist even as some of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. Being then the offspring of God, we ought to not think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and the thought of man. Do you follow what he was saying? He's saying, how in the world could you make a building and say, now God's got to live there? How can you design a God and say, that is the God of the universe? Because there's some fundamental problems with your thinking. And that is, how did you get here? Who made you? See, who made me? Who made you? And and what God or picture of God do you have? See, it's really a fundamental problem. Is the God that you have in mind, the God that you tell what to do, and the God that you created in your own mind, Or is there a God, and that really goes back to this question, and it's a fair question, and that's this, does God really exist? Does God really exist? See, what we're going to try to do through this series is get to know God. And to many of us, God is a great unknown. It's only wishful thinking in the minds of some of us that we can actually get to know God in a personal way. But the question is this, does God really exist? Now, if I ask you the question, and the reason I said we're not going to use the Bible anymore is because there's a fundamental problem in our thinking, and I'll explain it as we go along. If I ask you the question, does God really exist, what would you say? Well, it's a safe answer if you're a church. Nothing really, isn't that true? I mean, it's a safe answer if you're a church that you probably have some idea that God exists. I mean, if you come here to worship Him, and if you come here to be instructed by Him, and if you come here to learn more about Him, I I think that, you know, we've got a basic assumption, and that's this, that we believe that God exists, right? All right, now, here's the problem with that. How could you prove His existence to a person that's skeptical or doubtful. See, you see what our problem is? We deal with people on a day-to-day basis and we begin the assumption that they believe that God exists. How could you demonstrate to another human being that may be searching or seeking as to whether God really does exist, how would you explain to them that God exists? interesting, isn't it? Now let me ask you a question. We'll go through this. Why do some people not believe that there's a god? Okay? Now, you may participate if you'd like. <clears throat> Why do some people not believe or say that they don't believe that there is a god? All right. Yeah, very good. Did you hear that one? So, many people that we run into in life Cannot believe that there is a God because of so much pain and suffering and and misery and crime and, and offenses against man, one another. I mean, people that you run into. And see, you know what? And this is what's really a frightening thing about this whole thing. I'm hoping that you can participate because it means that you've been communicating with people around you that aren't sure whether God exists. You follow what I'm saying? There are people that I have run into in my life who do not believe that God exists because of the pain and the suffering that they see around us. Isn't that true? And what do they usually say? If there is a God, if there's a God, why does He let this kind of stuff happen in my life? If there is a God, why did he let my son get hit by a car? If there is a God, why did he allow my wife to die of cancer? If there is a God, why did he allow my business to fail? If there is a God, and a God, you say a God of love? Well, how is he demonstrating love to me if he's let this stuff go on in my life? That's a very, very good observation. And it's a very fair one as well. Why else don't people believe in God? I'm sorry, what? Okay, yeah, that's a great one. Do you ever ever wrestle with this? God, if you exist, why do you let these people who are hurting other people or people that are just lying, cheating, stealing and, and harming others, if you're really there, why are they getting away with it? Good question. And if you're really there and you'll let them get away with it, and I say I believe in you, you should let me get away with it even more. Right? It's a good deal. Right? Why else? What's that? God's a crutch. I don't need God, I don't need anybody. No one ever gave me anything. No one's ever going to give me anything. I don't need anybody to lean on. God's a crutch for weak people. Ever hear that? I remember saying it. (laughs) Really? I remember. I mean, clear as day. All right? Why else? I'm sorry. What? Hang on. All right. That's a good one. Hey, God, if you exist... And I'm praying, I'm talking to you, I'm communicating with you, I'm laying out my list of things that I need done in my life and you're not responding to any of them. Hello? Is anybody home? Isn't that true? And if God doesn't respond the way that we think He should respond, then He must not exist. Interesting. Do you see what all this is doing? Yeah, go ahead. There's a good one. Hey, they don't believe in Him because they can't see Him. Cry. Oh, uh, yeah, did you hear that one? Good, Dave. What did you say? They don't want to be Listen to this. If God exists, I don't like the implications of his existence. <laughs> I'll give you a, a perfect illustration of it. I had a guy that worked with me, and we spent a lot of time in this type of dialogue, going back and forth. Does God exist? If he does, then why are these things going on? Why does he do this? Why is he doing that? And, and we're going back and forth, right? So we went, we went through all of these things. And in the final analysis, do you know why he said that he wouldn't believe in God? Because he knew if God existed, he was going to have him change some things in his life. That's what he said. I know that if God exists, there are some things in my life that don't add up. And frankly, I like doing them. And I'm not going to be accountable or answer to anybody that's trying to change my life. They're afraid of the consequences. See, it's like if I don't know about him, then I won't receive the consequences for what I'm doing. So if I can just ignore him, and I can keep doing what I want to do, and he's busy with all you who believe in him, <laughs> then I can get away with all this stuff because I won't have to deal with him because I do not answer to him because I'm not accountable to him because I don't recognize his existence. Interesting, interesting logic there. I, I, I deal with guys. It's like you take a person who says they're they're in a business and they have a boss but they don't want to acknowledge that this person is their boss so if I can ignore this person or not acknowledge them as my boss and if I'll just mind my own business and they mind their own business then we can peacefully coexist but when my boss starts telling me what to do and I don't acknowledge him or her as my boss then we're gonna have conflict here and guess who loses hello anybody want to give a guess? Who usually loses in those contests? The employee. Why? Because it's a thing called authority. Because the one in charge gets to call the shots. So then I ask a person, well, if you ignore the fact that God exists because you don't like the implications of His existence, but let's just assume for a moment that He does exist and that you are accountable to Him and that you will answer to Him, do you see how illogical it is, what you're trying to say? Interesting, huh? How about the person says, I don't need God. What do I need God for? I got everything I ever wanted. Good job, making good money, got a good, you know, this, that, whatever, you know, wife, kids, a dog, whatever, all the things are that we think that we need to be happy in life. Got all these things going for us. I've talked to people like that and said, what do I need God for? The interesting thing is, I'm sorry, what? Oh, you know what? Now, see, there's an interesting answer, isn't it? And that's exactly an answer I gave to a guy one time. He says, well, you know what? What does God have to offer me that I don't have now? He said, how about eternal life? Hey, look, at it. it's uh, getting a little late here. I think I've got to go. <laughs> and that's what happens. Isn't that true? I mean, what does God have to offer that I don't already have? But the interesting thing is, when the money runs out, or the hell starts to go, or things start getting bad, or whatever that is, in a person's life, and all the things that they had they thought were all the things that they need, they begin to realize, you know what? There's something else that I need and i wonder what it is i have no control over what's going on now here's another problem that we run into and that is this oh by the way you did very well because there are all the things that are on here people oh you know what though here's one though the is they they don't see evidence in the lives of believers here's an interesting thing when i was seeking god or trying to get answers in my life as to whether god existed and who he was and all those things i can recall very distinctly going to people that i thought knew god And I would ask them questions, and they got very defensive, and they got very, very angry, or they were just, duh. Did you ever ask? You remember? Do you remember asking people who you thought knew God? You ask them a question about God, and they were like, so you know, it was like so dumb. Duh. Well, wait a minute. Now you say you believe in God. No, don't you think you should understand and know what you believe in? I mean, if you believe this, and think about the implications here. If you believe God, and you believe what He says, and you believe all these things, then don't you think you should know what you say you believe? Hello? Duh. I hope. Right, now here's another problem with people that say they're believers in God. It doesn't impact the way they live their life. How many of you remember seeing people who call themselves Christians or people that believe in God, and then you look at their life and you say, well, if you believe in God, I must believe in God because we're all doing the same thing. I remember that. It's like, man, you know what? I'm doing what you're doing. You say you believe in God. I say I'm not even sure that He exists, but we're all doing the same thing, so it must not make any difference. So what do I care about knowing God if God isn't going to make any difference in how I live my life? That's an interesting point, isn't it? Yes, sir. I'm sorry, what? Okay, good. Evolution, humanistic arguments are sufficient for our existence, and which is really fascinating because, David, we're going to talk specifically about that. In fact, we got time to, to just talk about one thing. But, but let me ask you this question. Have you ever wondered which religion is correct? Oh, man, I hope. Which one's right? I mean, there's a whole bunch to choose from. It's like a Chinese restaurant. We've got all kind of combinations we can work here. You no, know, but they all come with fried rice, you know, pretty much. <laughs> There's one common denominator, but you can pick anything you want. But it's like, think about it. You've got all these to choose from. Which one is right? So now you've got a person who's a little bit interested in trying to figure out whether God exists, but they've got this dilemma to deal with, and that is they've got all these different religions that are out there. So you got stuff like, you know, you, and you got all these, and they're all confident. They're all confident that they're right. You ever meet anybody who's not confident in what they believe? People come around, knocking on your door. Hey, are you confident about what you believe? Oh, yeah, and here's why. They're riding those little bikes, you know, and they get the white shirts and the ties and stuff. They come by, and it's like, hey, are you sure you know what you believe? Oh, absolutely, convinced of it. Well, that's interesting, because some of the things you believe are different than some of the things the other people knocking on our door believe, and they're different about some of the things that I believe, or I'm not sure what I believe yet, but I know I believe it, and that doesn't sound too believable to me. And you kind of go through all this and it's like, you know, there's so many different religions to choose from, which one is right? So here's what I want to do. I want to challenge you, and we'll start here and we'll pick it up again next time. But I want to challenge you to put yourself in the position of being asked by another person who isn't sure that God exists, doesn't know anything about God. but but he or she is interested and they're coming to you and they're going to ask you why do you believe in God? Why do you believe in God? Interesting question. Let me give you six facts. We'll just take care of just one. Just one. Because I think if we can just get one today we'll be doing good. You ever watch Dragnet? Dragnet? Like, you know, you you got like that sleeping problem that I've got, like I can't sleep, so you're flipping through and it's like, here it is, channel 26, Nick at Night. (laughs) Nothing will put you to sleep quicker than Joe Friday asking, ma'am, just give me the facts, ma'am, just give me the facts. That's all we're talking about. I'm not talking feelings here. I'm not talking emotions. All I want is give me some facts why you believe in God and the same facts that I can look at, examine, and determine whether I will believe in God based on the same facts that you give me. All right? Number one. I'll tell you why I believe in God. I believe in God because of the material universe that we live in. I believe in God because even as a young child, I can remember going out, and we lived back in Pennsylvania, and I remember playing in the woods, and I remember looking at the trees, and I remember looking at the stars at night, and I remember looking at the sunsets, and I remember looking at at everything around me. I can remember playing in the creeks and turning over rocks and picking up crawdads and and salamanders, and, and, and I remember doing all those things as a kid. And I'll tell you one thing that always impressed me as I looked around. Everything that I saw was amazing to me. Today, to this day, I can drive down by the beach and having grown up in Pennsylvania and the closest thing you see to water are three rivers down by, uh, you know, Three River Stadium and, and, and uh, you know, in as pretty a sight as that is, um, <coughs> there is a picture that just is so awesome to me. And we've been able to go all over the world. But I'll tell you what, when you, when you go down and you sit on the cliff overlooking the ocean and you watch a sunset drop behind Catalina, it is the most awesome thing that I've ever seen. It's awesome. And when you're in the mountains at night and you look out and you see the stars and everything that's out there, it's awesome. And you lay down and you look up and you say, how far is up and how high does this all go? It's the most incredible thing. It's awesome. When I look around me at everything around me, it makes me realize, you know what? Two things. Number 1, how did that all get here? And number 2, however it got here, whoever made it had to be here before it got here. Follow that? However it got here, whoever made it or however it got here had to exist before it got here. And whoever made it has to be awesome. See, I believe in the existence of God because I look at the material universe and I ask this question. How did it get here? In 1977, we had some friends who knew God much more closely than we did. And we asked them the same question. Well, why do you believe in God? And they said, I'll tell you what. You come with us. This was in the fall of 1977. said, so you come with us We're going to UCI, University of California at Irvine, on Friday night, and we're going to hear a debate between those who feel it just got here, which is evolution, and those who believe that God exists and that God made it. And you come, and you listen, and you decide for yourself. And at the time, having just finished up um, my undergraduate work at Cal State Fullerton, I was into academics and into that. And I was kind of like, oh, that'd be great. A debate on this. This would be great because it's exactly what I need to hear. So we went. And for three hours, we listened to a panel of men who said, here's why we believe God exists. And here's why we believe that he created the material universe we live in. And on the other side of the room were guys who said, we just believe it had happened. And then, during the course of the evening, they argued with each other as to why they felt that it happened the way that they said. And many times, they disagreed with one another. And they argued with each other on the same panel that were trying to convince people that they were right and these people over here were wrong. Now I'm sitting there going, well, geez, you know, they don't seem very convinced about their argument. And what was really frustrating to me is they got to a point in time in their, in their argument or convincing statements where they said this. You know what? Sometimes you just got to believe certain things so what now what kind of argument is that you know what when you can't figure it out and when it doesn't make any sense you just gotta believe it i walked out of there convinced that there had to be a god who created the universe because i heard the arguments from those who said here's why we believe that god created the universe because the bottom line of everything was it was it was, uh, it was interesting and at the same time it's amazing how god does certain things but. There was a TV show on not long ago called The White Shadow. Now, I don't know if you saw The White Shadow, but I loved it because it, was, it had something to do with sports. See, I've always been this kind minute, so it's kinda, it, there's a deep history here. And it had something to do with sports. It was about a, a, a white basketball coach who took over as a basketball coach of an inner city school, and that's why they called him The White Shadow. And anyway, they were on a trip to a game, and they were going to state playoffs. The school was in California. They were flying to Sacramento. Okay, they got these two basketball players. They're sitting side by side on this airplane, and there's engine trouble with the plane. And they make an announcement saying, "You know what? Prepare for an emergency landing. We're having some problems with the plane." So you see one guy. He's sitting in his seat, and his head's down. And it's obvious that he's praying. He's got his hands folded, and he's just just going at it. The guy sitting next to him was looking at him like, and he finally says, "What are you doing?" He goes, "Well, I'm praying." He goes, "Praying, praying to who?" I said, "I'm praying to God." He goes, "You don't believe in God, do you?" He goes, "Yeah, I believe in God." You don't believe in God? He goes, "No, I don't believe in God." He goes, "Why do you believe in God?" So because God made me. He made everything. He said, "How do you think you got here?" And the kid goes, "Well, you know what." I I don't believe in God. I believe in the Big Bang Theory. And the kid goes, The Big Bang Theory? What's a Big Bang Theory? He goes, Well, I just believe that all this dust came together and it ran into each other and exploded and here we are. Right? And the kid stops and he thinks for a second. He goes, But where'd the dust come from? (laughs) Next scene. Both of them. (laughs) Man. Praying away. See, I'm with them. It's much more logical to believe in the existence of God and the creation of the universe than it is to believe that it just happened. I mean, evolutionists would, would pass out bumper stickers that would say, the universe, it just happened. Could you imagine a person who says they believe in God that would use the same argument with somebody who's questioning the existence of God and just say to, say to them, I believe in God because I just do. You'd walk away from that person and think they're the dumbest person you ever met. You believe in them because you just do. Well, I'll tell you what. I believe in God because of the existence of a material universe. And as I look around at what we see, I realize that there has to be a creator and that this stuff just didn't happen. This is just a start, but I want you to ask yourself a question. If someone came to you this week, ask yourself, would I know how to answer this person that is seriously seeking whether God exists or not? And what would I say to them to challenge them and to help them to understand, I know why I believe in God. And if nothing else, I know because you explained to me how the universe got here, you explained to me how we got here, and then we have some point of conversation. But until you do that, man, you know what? This is just one of six reasons I believe in God. And I'll share the rest of them with you if you'd like to hear it. You've got to come back next time. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity today just to uh, take a, a beginning look at your existence. God, help us to become people that know who we believe in, know why we believe what we believe in, and know what we believe. God, help us not to be people that just blindly go through life, glibly giving answers, or not even taking the time to investigate. God, help us to understand there's a world of people around us who are not sure whether you exist or not. And the way we live our lives, number one, could influence them, and number two is the things that we say about your existence certainly will influence them. God, we just thank you for Carlos and Tavia and Colby. We thank you for Yvette and for Kayla. We just thank you for families that you've created to love. God, we just thank you for our responsibility and privilege it is to be able to share with others of your existence. And we just thank you what you do in our lives on a daily basis. We thank you for this universe that um, just didn't happen to be here, but somehow there's a design behind all of it. God, help us to be open-minded as we go through this series to lay aside our foolish pride that would hinder us from understanding better who you are and what you demand of our lives. And we just thank you and praise you. Amen.